Awesome. Guys, we've actually got uh, JC and Charlotte in the house this morning. I'm going to ask them to come up onto the stage. These guys are living legends for me. So I have known them, geez, I think since I was about 16 and before they were even dating. Uh, it's been a long journey. And just to see, yeah, what they've done and how God is using them. They are incredible legends. Um, but I don't think, you know, watching that video gives you the full perspective of the sacrifices that they are making for the kingdom. Um, and I just want us as a church just to pray God's favor and anointing and blessing over them. So guys, can you reach out at your hands? We're going to pray for this incredible couple. Father God, we just thank you for this couple that are willing to um, oh, to live out their Christianity in, in, in such an um, inspiring way, Lord. God, we just thank you for the difference that they are making in so many lives, God, in a nation. And Lord, I pray just incredible favor over their marriage, over them as a couple, over their children, um, and God, over every church that they plant, over every braces that they make, over every uh, project that needs funding, God. I just pray provision and favor, God. I pray, I thank you that they are the head and not the tail. They are highly favored and that through their ministry, you are going to do immeasurably more than they could ever ask, hope, or imagine. God, we speak that over them. We speak your angels all over them, all over their cars as they travel um, and just incredible peace and favor in Jesus' mighty name. All the God's people said... Amen. Awesome, guys. Thank you for for being here. You can you can take your seats. I just um, I'm so glad that they are here because it ties in so well with with what we're speaking about this morning. And um, you know, these guys we're talking about one of our core values in this church, which is generosity. And these guys are living it out. Okay, and I think also what excites me is, um, you know, like I say, I've known them for, for a very long time, um, and they are a part of changing a nation. So the Lawsy people were an unreached people group, okay, they didn't know anything about Jesus, and they are planting churches, they are training up leaders, and you guys can't be there physically, but JC and Charlotte can. Well, they've made the sacrifice and we get to be a part of that by giving financially, by being generous, sowing our treasure into this. And um, I really hope it inspires you this morning, even as we talk on the topic of generosity. Amen. So generosity is our privilege. I am so old school that I still print my sermon notes and my water bottle leaked in my handbag after the first service. So I might have to wing it a little bit. Let's just, uh, just say a silent prayer for me because uh, everything's smudged. But um, hopefully it's all in my heart. It should be, right? Let's quickly open up and pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here and you want to speak to us, Lord. You want to speak to every one of our hearts. And I just pray, um, yeah, for uh, an incredible, just, yeah, that there will be a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So each one of us, God, gets a clear revelation from your heart this morning. God, I pray that I will get out of the way and you will have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Awesome. So generosity, we say, is one of our core values. We say it's our privilege, right? Amen. Have you guys heard us say that? If you've been to Growth Track, you've heard it. If you haven't been to Growth Track, you need to join us. It's happening this Tuesday. It tells you all about the DNA of our church. 
But just quickly, I, we, we say it's, it's, it's our privilege, it's a value. What is generosity? I like this definition. Generosity is doing more than what's expected, okay? So we're saying it is our privilege as Christians to do more than what's expected. Why do we say that? So I think we have to always come back to our number one value. The most important value in our church is that Jesus is the center. He's the center. Everything we do flows out of our relationship with Jesus. He's our example. He's our foundation. And if you look at the life of Jesus, he sacrificed his entire life so that you and I get to go to heaven. He paid the price for our sins. Does it get more generous than that? I don't think it gets more generous than that. Our God is a generous God, okay? He did way more than what was expected. He gave up His life for us. So we serve a God who is an extravagant giver. I'm a bit of an English nerd. I love English. I always thought I was going to be a, a writer, an author, um, and then I ended up doing medicine. But I actually decided I wanted to do medicine when I was in Zambia because I was about 14 years old on our first church trip, and I saw people walk for two or three days when they heard a doctor was coming. It was crazy, mind-blowing. Um, and to see what they've done there now with the clinics and the hospitals is, is incredible. But I love English, and so we have a bit of fun with some English. If I had to ask you, what is the main subject of the Bible? And we're obviously referring to a person, who would you say? Jesus, that's right, Jesus and God, main subject, okay. And then a verb. You guys all know what a verb is, right? All the parents know, the teachers know, it's a? Doing word, there we go. Okay, so now this is a trick question, so maybe don't shout out if you don't want to embarrass yourself. What would you say is the main verb of the Bible? I knew you would say love. <laughs> I'm gonna mess with your minds a little bit this morning. I'm gonna read from John 3 verse 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So I want you to think about this. If God only loved but didn't give Jesus to pay the price for our sins, would we have a place in heaven, a hope, a future? Because sometimes we can, we can love our kids straight into hell as parents, can't we? Like, let's just be honest. I love you. It's okay, my sweetie. I love you. I really love you. So I'm not going to discipline you. I'm not going to make you come to church. I, I love you. I don't want to hurt your feelings. You don't have to study. We can do that as parents, you know? Or we can say, I love you. So I'm going to give you some discipline. Yeah. Oh, I love you. So I'm going to give you some boundaries. God loved us so much that He gave Jesus the most precious thing to Him so that we could have eternal life. If you wanna look at the greatest example of generosity and giving, it's God. We are the most like God, I believe, when we are generous. But here's the trick. This is why it's a, you know, it's a, it's a trick question. Because love leads to generosity. 
If there's no love, there's no generosity. So the two go hand in hand. And sometimes when I'm having my first world problems, when I think I'm having a tough time with an employee at my business, or if I think, you know, uh, I'm upset about the, the petrol price, first world problems, I remind myself of this. I actually tell this to myself. I say, Leanne, you are not a victim. You are a victor. Jesus gave me everything, everything I need I have in Christ, so nobody owes me anything and I am not a victim. Hey, it's a powerful way to live your life. I'm not, I'm not a victim right now. Jesus gave me everything. Nobody owes me anything and I'm gonna choose to respond positively in this situation. Some of you have heard of my piano lesson disaster. When I was in primary school, I was one of those kids who wanted to do everything. Mom, sign me up for drama. I want to play netball. I want to play hockey. I want to sing. I want to be the drama club. I want to play piano. So my parents signed me up. And I enjoy piano in the beginning. In my defense, my parents could not afford a piano. So I had to practice on a piece of paper that had letters drawn. That's quite tough, hey? Like, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, they eventually bought me a keyboard and I still, I, I didn't want to do the piano anymore, okay? To me, piano equaled obligation. Like I, please can I quit? They were like, no, you're not a quitter girl. And I was like, but I want to be a quitter. No, you can't quit. But it was a huge obligation. And this is embarrassing to admit, but I, I knew when, in, in which period of the day I was supposed to be in piano lessons and I would go hide in the library from the piano teacher, like basically bunking, wasting my parents' money so bad. And finally, I think they realized this was a waste and they let me quit the piano as I started high school. Fast forward to the age of 16. I think JC and Charlotte will remember these days. Um, the youth exploded and we had this thing called teen service and we had hundreds and hundreds of teenagers and we wanted to start a band. And I was like, oh, I can play the piano. <laughs> Not so well, but I can play the piano. And all of a sudden, this thing that I'd seen as such an obligation, I suddenly saw as an opportunity where I could be a part of something. I could be a part of a team. I could be a part of leading people into God's presence. I could be a part of, 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 of adding so much value. But the problem was I wasn't very good. Okay, so somehow I made the band because there was no one else. But I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I was not an, a very big asset. Like if they wanted to go into free worship, we were in trouble, okay? Because I, I got lost. And, and like if they wanted to move up a key, like do it without the keyboard. So it, was, it wasn't great. And the point I'm trying to make, luckily someone else arrived and he was way better and I graciously stepped down and um, the point I wanna to make to you guys this morning is that nothing great is ever birthed out of a spirit of obligation, amen? Generous people have a spirit of opportunity and great things are birthed out of a spirit of opportunity. That is my first point this morning. So when Andre and I first started dating, talking about opportunity, we started dating and you know, we fell head over heels in love. And I was like, this guy's a winner because you know, this is the first um, boyfriend who actually loves shopping as much as I do. <laughs> 
and we would love to shop for clothes, you know, we just loved shopping. I was a student and he was not earning a lot of money, so it was mostly window shopping. But in those days, like there was Bayside Mall and then there was N1 City and that's it. And so we went to Bayside and we went to the guest shop and we would just look and there was this green jersey on special, but Andre couldn't afford it. Um, but he, he, we must have looked at it like three times, you know. And I had been saving some money. And long story short, I saw an opportunity to bless the guy I was in love with. I loved the guy, the guy loved the jersey, so I made a plan. And I went and bought the jersey and went to go visit him at his flat and I managed to sneak the jersey in under his t-shirts. And then when I got home, I SMSed him. Oh, so good seeing you tonight. And then, um, hey, there's a surprise for you in your cupboard under your t-shirts. And when he had a look, of course, he found the jersey. And like all jokes aside, I think he was ready to propose like right then and there because his love language is gifts. And he was like, you know, so I think then I had him and it was a done deal. But... He was so excited about it, but to be honest, I think I was even more excited, not because I knew I was getting a ring, but because I had the, the joy of, of, of seeing this opportunity to bless someone that I love. You see, the love leads to generosity and generous people see an opportunity. And I think I was more blessed than Andre. And the Bible tells us that. The Bible says, you wanna be blessed? Well, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So if you wanna be blessed, be a blessing. Come on, if you've got kids or nieces and nephews, Christmas is a prime example. It's all about the kids. It's all about their happiness and, and, the, and the adventure and the excitement. But the Bible tells it to us, it's way more blessed to give than to receive. Generous people have a spirit of opportunity. What does that look like practically? Well, at View Church, we have a team of people who have a spirit of opportunity. So they arrive early at 6.30 on a, on a Sunday morning because they have a spirit of opportunity. They get up and they come here and they pack out chairs because they see the opportunity that there are gonna be people walking in, people maybe who don't know Jesus, who are gonna sit in those chairs and they can intercede for those people and they can pray for them and they can make the building welcoming. We've got people in the car park who are standing out there greeting, trying to make people feel welcome because they see the opportunity that somebody might actually find this church as a spiritual home. We've got people who are sowing their time and leading view groups and going, I'm going to be a part of this. There's an opportunity to actually get into a circle and to make really good friends and to help people. So they live their lives being flexible and unselfish because there's so much opportunity if you were at our dream service, um, we, sorry, our, our, our dream team service night, that's what it's basically called, we spoke about being flexible. And we said, you know, people who are flexible, they don't mind the stretch. Now we all know that yoga and Pilates, uh, you know, you gotta stretch and it's sore in the beginning, right? Stretching is sore, but it's so good for you. It strengthens your core and it makes you stronger. And if you don't have a strong core, all the pressure is gonna go on your back, on your vertebrae, you're gonna end up with long-term issues. You wanna be flexible and not fragile, amen? People who are generous, 
and see the opportunity are flexible people. When I look at our worship team, they've always been such an example of people who are flexible. If Andre feels that, like from God, that we need to sing a certain song on a Saturday night, even though they've already practiced the set, he can WhatsApp and go, please, can we have the song ready? And even though it's their Saturday night, they're going, hey, there's opportunity. This song could minister to people. God's presence could show up. Things could happen. So I am going to practice. I'm going to get into God's presence. I'm going to learn these chords. I'm going to rock up prepared on Sunday to lead people into God's presence without already been and I'm gonna I'm gonna know the cause so they are flexible because they see the opportunity if you're not flexible sorry guys because of the water I have to like really read closely what I wrote here I said a willingness to be flexible is key because change done willingly will always lead to growth, but change done reluctantly will lead to grieving. So if we're not flexible, we're going to grieve whenever anything changes. So if someone dares to sit in your seat on a Sunday and you're not flexible, you are going to be ready to start a Barney. How dare they sit in my seat? I always sit in the third row on the aisle. How dare they? But flexible people go, Oh my hat, they clearly a new person or they wouldn't have dared to sit in my seat. This is an opportunity. I'm gonna get their number and invite them to view group. I'm gonna get them coffee because I see the opportunity and I'm flexible. Come on guys, is this making sense? Generous people are flexible. Before COVID, we didn't have parking. So we would ask our dream teamers to park across the road at the shopping center so that new people could come and go, and, and, and actually have great parking and, and, and let their kids get out the car easily. And people did it with, 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 with ease because they saw it as an opportunity, not an obligation. This is an opportunity to build God's house. This is not an obligation. People who see the opportunity have a preparation that leads to expectation which leads to intercession, which leads to faith, which leads to God rocking up in supernatural ways. Amen? Amen. Second thing generous people do is they sow their time, their talent, and their treasure. Now, who here would agree with me that time is probably our most valuable commodity? Come on, in 2022, Time is the one thing we all wish we had more of. And it's the one thing you are never going to get back, right? So time is precious. I, I have a medical practice and my, my latest thing with my staff is I say, guys, we've got to get better at managing people's time because time is precious. We can't have them waiting. And how can we speed things up? So now we're trying to, you know, bring in combos where you can have your IV drip be under the LED lights and have a peel slapped on all at the same time to save time. Because the most precious thing in life, I believe, is your time. Do you guys agree? So I wanna ask you, where are you sowing your time? Are you banking it in heaven? Or is it being sown into Netflix? We all know they've upped their game, the shows are good. But listen, this is a reminder to myself as well. Guys, we get one life, we get one chance to make a difference. And then we live with those consequences for an eternity. 
I don't want to just scrape into heaven. I want to get that well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to, I want to see people that I brought. I saw the opportunity. I invited. I got them a coffee. And now I get to spend eternity with them in heaven. Amen? Oh, did someone say amen? It was a kitty. Oh. Is that trying to read the water sock notes? I'm so sorry. Psalm 84 verse 10, it says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I want you to ask yourself right now, do you believe that scripture? Better is one day in the house of God than a thousand days anywhere else. Do you believe that? Because I believe it. You might go, Leanne, you're naive. I believe it with every fiber in my being. Better is one day in God's house than a thousand days anywhere else. Than a thousand days of marriage counseling, than a thousand days of psychology sessions, than a thousand days of financial planning, than a thousand days of building my business. I believe better is one day in the house of God. I believe it. But if you believe it and I believe it, we should live that way. What a lot of us do is we come to church once every three weeks. We go, I went, I went to church last week. I'm gonna give myself a two week break. I'll be back next week. Church will still be there. Come on, we, I, I know a lot of you do it. But if we really believe Psalm 84 verse 10, why the heck would you miss a day in your father's house? It's gonna bless you more than a thousand days of lying on the beach or watching Netflix or chilling in bed. Come on, in the house of God, you can get breakthroughs. A miracle can happen. Your marriage can be restored. God can drop an idea in your head like this. Anything can happen in the house of God. You don't wanna be anywhere else, I promise you. You don't want your kids to be anywhere else. Also, I want you guys to remember that this is your father's house. You are, I hate the word volunteer. That's why you're, we say dream teamer. You are not a volunteer. This is your father's house. Do you go to your parents' house and then if you offer someone coffee, go, I'm just volunteering? It's weird. No, you're hosting. You host in your parents' house because you grew up there. This is your father's house. This is your family. You are representing your father. You are hosting. You take ownership and responsibility. Proverbs 11 verse 25, it says, a generous person will prosper and whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. This has been a testimony in my life. So, you know, Andre and I have two little girls. They were 20, born 22 months apart. I was a full-time GP. And, you know, in those days, I would sometimes work from eight o'clock to seven o'clock. And then I would go straight to view group. And people would say, are oh, you nuts? And Andre would bring the babies. He, he was super dad, fed them, you know, have the nappy bag. He's super, bit more organized than me. And people would go, what's wrong with you? You've come straight from work. I'm like, no, I'm, in, I'm invested. And that, you're gonna burn out. I'm not gonna burn out. The Bible says those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You cannot outgive God. And I'm not talking about being unwise. We've had to make sure we have vacations. We've had to make sure we have family time. We have a Sabbath. But you cannot outgive God when you are sowing 
His word says, generous people will prosper. If you refresh others, you will be refreshed. That's what his word says. That's the final authority on all things. We're not only generous with our time, we are generous with our talents. Now, if you've been to Growth Shack, you've heard me say this, but I'm gonna say it again because I believe this with all my heart. If you have an incredible voice, you were not given that voice to be the next Beyonce or the next Justin Bieber. I, I believe with every fiber in my being, you were given that voice to bring God glory. You were given that voice to lead worship. I believe it. You can, we can, you can disagree with me, but I believe it with every fiber in my being. I don't think Beyonce was given her voice to be Beyonce. I believe she was given her voice to make Jesus famous. Because everything we have, every talent we have is given to us by God, by His grace, for His glory. We need to be sowing our talents into God's house. He created us. He gave them to us to make him famous. Holly Wagner is a pastor in LA and I had the privilege of hearing her speak live in Joburg a few years ago. And she said this, she said, working in LA, she's never been around so many people who are famous or trying to be famous. And she's never been around more dysfunctional people. And she said her conclusion is that no human being was created to be famous. That's why it messes you up. Only Jesus was created to be famous and the rest of us were put on this earth to make him more famous. That's our purpose, come on. Your talents are there to make Jesus famous. Your voice is there to lead people into worship. If you are a businessman and you're really gifted, God gave you that brain and that idea so you can sow into the kingdom. Look at the difference you can make in a place like Zambia. We've just had the privilege of, of helping them finance their, their training center where pastors are walking for days to come and get trained on how to plant a church and now they've got a place to sleep. You can sow into that. If you've just got a bubbly, massive personality, you weren't given that by God just to make you popular. Come on, you need to be using it in God's house to make people feel welcome and loved and special. Your talents are given to you by God for His glory. You've got to sow them into His kingdom. Lastly, generous people sow their treasure into God's house. Now I know some of you are going, oh please, is she going to talk about money? Yes, she is. I would be a terrible pastor if I didn't talk about money because Jesus spoke about it a lot. 215 verses in the New Testament are on faith, 218 on relationships, and 2,058 on money, stewardship, and finance. If you are uncomfortable and very upset that I'm about to talk about money, if this makes you feel any better, there is somebody else even more upset than you. That is the devil. <laughs> because he doesn't want us to talk about money either. Because he knows what Matthew 6 verse 21 says. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever you put your money, your heart follows. It's not the other way around. Church, hear me this morning. God doesn't want your money, but He wants your heart and the two go together. There's no way you can separate it. If you think you've separated it, you're fooling yourself. Wherever you show your treasure, that's where your heart follows. 
come on, man. Our God spoke the universe into being. He doesn't need your money, but He wants your heart. King David was a man described as having a heart after God's own heart. And he was one of the most beautiful worshippers. Who wants to be known as a person with a heart after God's own heart? Come on, that's like the ultimate. And he says this in 1 Chronicles chapter 20, 29, verse, I'm reading from 10 to 14. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. And verse 14, I want you guys to hear this. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Because everything comes from you and we have given you only what came from your hand. You see, David had a revelation. Everything he had came from God. Church, this morning, whether you believe it or not, everything you have comes from God. Everything. Your brain, your ability to think, the job that you have, the business idea that you got. Like the word self-made, I just think is laughable. Nobody is self-made. You were knitted together in your mother's womb by a God who knew exactly what he was doing, okay? The oxygen that you breathe and the lungs that process it, it all comes from God. Everything you have comes from God. And that's why in Malachi 3 verse 10, he says, bring your tithes into the house of God. And then he goes on to say, and see if your bonds won't overflow. But he says, bring, not give, because it all belongs to him anyway. He gave it to you and now you're bringing 10% back. He asks us to bring 10% back into his house, that's tithing, to show him that he comes first. Because he's not a God who'll take second or third place. If he isn't Lord of all, he isn't Lord at all. But he uses the word bring because he gave it to you anyway in the first place. He says, just bring 10% back. And then he says, and see if I don't bless the socks off you. Now, I don't wanna tell you this morning, come on, tithe, and God will bless you and you'll have so much. Yes, he will take care of you, but I don't want you to tithe because of that. I want you to tithe because you understand that everything you have comes from God and that you want to fall more in love with him. And wherever your treasure goes, your heart follows. Amen? Amen. Wherever your treasure goes, your heart follows. You might be thinking, Chishlian, if I gave 10%, I would go under. And God's looking at your heart. Start with 1%. Next month, try 2%. The next month, try 3 and see what God will do in your heart and in your life. Generosity speaks a different language. This is my last point. 
Proverbs 11, verse 24 to 26. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Now, I believe we are a generous church. Generous people think big, okay? We are not obsessed with table view, table view, table view. We're thinking of Camps Bay. We've got a church there. We're thinking of Malpos. We're already praying for Malmesbury and Atlantis. And we believe God wants to use us to change our city and our nation. Again, you can think I'm naive. I believe it with everything inside of me. Because generous people think big. We're involved in Zambia and another nation. You know, it's for me, it's such a uh, privilege that our church, that, that, that this project was birthed out of you, church. And we can't physically be there. You know, this couple are doing the work, but we get to sow financially. We get to be a part of something so much greater than ourselves. What a privilege and an honor. But Isaiah 32 verse 8 says, Generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. Your generosity will be tempted. You're going to want to be selfish. It's human nature. We want to think about numero uno. That's how it goes. But generous people stand firm in their generosity. I had a big laugh. I wrote this big message on generosity just before COVID. It was our last flight before COVID. And um, Andre and I had decided we wanted to invest in ourselves and we flew to Joburg um, to, to learn from a church. And we obviously, we used our own money. We were like, we're gonna invest in ourselves spiritually and to save money. Um, I took the later flight, which was a lot cheaper. So I had to sit at the airport for like four hours. And I don't know why Andre got the earlier flight. There, there, was, there must have been a good reason because he is a gentleman. But I sat there for four hours and I worked on my message on generosity. And I, you know, my message is good and I'm feeling, yeah, oh, this is great. And then, you know, I thought since I saved us so much money by taking the, um, the, the later flight, I'm gonna pay the 40 round just to get the window seat. Who likes the window seat? Yeah, got the window seat. So I get on, onto the plane, I put my jersey there, I'm really starting to chill. At the corner of my eye, I see this couple, they look like they're newlyweds and they're all over each other and they're hugging and they, they, they tap the man on the aisle and they, they say, sorry, sir, you know, we really don't wanna sit apart. Is there any way that like we could swap seats with you? He says, no, I paid for the aisle seat, sorry. And I'm like, Geez, what a rude, mm, you know, like lean back against the window. Next minute, I get a tap on my shoulder. <laughs> hey, man, is there, is there any way you would, we really don't want to sit apart. Is there any way you would swap seats with us? Now, my first thought, I'm not going to lie, was I've been sitting here for four and a half freaking hours by myself, and I paid 40 rand for this window. Like, no, you cannot have the window seat. That was my first thought. My second thought was, if you guys have to sit one hour apart, you are not gonna freaking die, it's an hour and a half. And then my third thought was, generous people stand firm in their generosity. Leanne Kreff, generosity is your privilege. Practice what you preach. And I smiled and I said, sure, where would you like me to move to? I had to move one row back, <laughs> it's God's sense of humor in between two very large gentlemen. Let's just say I was the ham in the sandwich sitting like this. It was an uncomfortable 90 minutes. But you know what? 
God has a sense of humor and generous people, like I say, it's our privilege. It was my privilege to be the ham in the sandwich. If you are sitting here this morning and you're going, ugh, Leanne, like, I hear what you're saying, but this is so hard for me. Like, ugh, I, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to serve my time and my talent. I want, I want my own time. I want to watch Netflix. I, you know, I, I want to serve God, but uh, it, this all seems too hard. I want to encourage you with this. The church in Macedonia, they had serious obstacles. They were very poor. And Paul writes this and he says, in the midst of a very severe trial, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, their overflowing joy and in their extreme poverty welled up rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. And they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They exceeded our expectations but this is the key. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. I wanna encourage you, go to God. Come on, He's the center, He's the reason. If you wanna be a generous person, go to God. Say to Him, God, do something in my heart, do some, do some heart surgery. I wanna love you more. I wanna walk in generosity. You've called me to be a generous person. You've called me to live for more than just my retirement annuity and my Netflix shows and my, come on, there's something greater. Just go to God. Can I pray for us as a church quickly with every head bowed? God, we love you. We wanna be generous people, Lord. You have called us to be generous people. We want to live a big life, God. We know that we were made on purpose for a purpose. Won't you do some heart surgery in us today, Lord? We want to know you better. We want to fall more in love with you. Won't you speak to us, God? We want to give ourselves to you first so that you can use us to change our world in Jesus' name. Just as we stay with our heads bowed in this attitude of worship, I'd be doing you a terrible disservice if I didn't give you an opportunity. If you are sitting here this morning and you're saying, Leanne, I'm hearing what you're saying, that there's this God who loves me so much that He would give His only Son to pay the price for my sins. But I don't actually know this God. I'm not in a relationship with Him. But I want to be. I want to go to heaven. I want to live for something greater. I wanna give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Or maybe you did a long time ago, but you know that you've drifted away and you need to recommit. With every head bowed out of respect, if you wanna give your life to Jesus, if you wanna to respond to this God who loves you in such a crazy, generous way, I'm gonna to count to three and ask you to put your hand up. One, God so loved the world. Two, that He gave His one and only Son. Three, you can pop your hand up quickly just so I can see it. Anyone this morning? Is that a hand at the back? Best decision you can ever make. Just pop it up so I can see it. 
They say the whole of heaven. We see those hands at the back. That's, that's awesome. And thank you, both of you. Thank you. We see those two hands. Best decision you could ever make. I don't want to, I don't want to drag this on, but come on, if your heart's beating fast, that's the Holy Spirit saying, come on, I want to be in a relationship with you. Just pop your hand up. It's just me looking. If you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus, God, I want to get to know you better. Anybody else this morning? So the whole of heaven throws a party when one person gives their life. Okay, church, we're going to pray together as a family. Can we pray together out loud? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and paying the price for my sins. Today, I ask you to be Lord of my life. I repent of my sins. I thank you that you've already paid the price, that I'm washed clean, that I'm yours and you are mine. And I get to live out my purpose and spend eternity with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. The whole of heaven's having a party. Best thing ever. Guys, have an awesome day. Stay nice and cool. We've got a different sermon tonight. It's a double dip Sunday, so you can come back. Um, otherwise, have an amazing week. Subs, am I forgetting anything? Growth track, come on. If you haven't done growth track this week, Tuesday, 6.30 for 7 p.m., Kids Care Provided. We would love to host you. Have an amazing, amazing day.